Hello there. My name is Shirley Fisher, and I'm an illustrator, creative business owner, and mom of two. I've been slowly growing from a part-time creator to a full-time working artist since 2016, so I know the joy and struggle of working for yourself and how mindset can impact your growth. It's here where we dig deep through vulnerable chats about running a creative business and uprooting our limiting beliefs. My hope is that you walk away from these conversations feeling empowered with a greater sense of clarity and community. So find a cozy spot, open up your heart, and prepare to be encouraged. Welcome to the Tillage Podcast. I couldn't be more excited to invite you to a free workshop that I'm hosting called Get Out of Your Own Way Bootcamp. This is happening on July 19th through the 21st, and we'll be meeting on Zoom every morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time to go over ways that we get in our own way and tools and strategies to tell yourself to move on over. Topics will include tips for perfectionism when it comes to art making, owning your worth when it comes to pricing, ways to move past imposter syndrome, and playing bigger. Also, because this is a boot camp, expect some worksheets for you to get the work done. Sign up today and also join in on the Facebook community just for this event. To sign up, find the link in the description below or head on over to the tillagepodcast.com on today's show notes. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the Tillage Podcast. I am super honored you're here today, and I cannot wait to see what unfolds in this conversation as we talk about trusting ourselves, pivoting, success, all of these different topics that you have a lot of experience in. But before we get started, I would love for you to share your journey into being a creative entrepreneur and all the things that you do, because you do a lot. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Shirley. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you and everyone else listening. My creative journey started at a really young age. I've always been the person that's like the long-winded storyteller, so I'm going to try to keep it as concise as possible. But I dressed up as an artist for kindergarten career day. It was that marine biology. And marine biology obviously didn't stick. Uh, I think <laughs> that was just kind of everyone's childhood. It was on everyone's childhood list. So I ended up, we moved to Mississippi and I went to Mississippi State and majored in graphic design, ended up moving to Charleston, South Carolina, where I opened my first business, where I was doing marketing and branding for different companies. And my parents went through a divorce, and my sisters were back at home. And I just, I'm the oldest, felt drawn to go back home. And when I did, I ended up taking a full-time job working at a school. And after work, I was like, wait, what do I do with myself? (laughs) (laughs) And most people, you just have a life. I was so used to running a business that I just was like, I've got to do something. And so that's when I just felt I want to be creative with my hands. Like I want to make something for me that's not for anyone else. That's not for a client, you know, because sometimes it gets overwhelming constantly being creative directed when you're an artist. And um, I just wanted to make beautiful things. And so I ended up buying a letterpress after lots of prayer and just like, what am I doing with my life? Uh, Moments, I bought a letterpress in Kentucky and hauled it back to Mississippi on my dad's trailer. (laughs) That was a new skill set I got to add to the resume. (laughs) I didn't wreck his truck until I got in the driveway. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I know. I was like, it was because my pride. I I had too much pride. I was really proud of myself. And then I turned the wheel the wrong way. But that press set in my garage for about a year. I was terrified of it. But in between that, I started just drawing and making and really creating art that was based around stories within my life. 
And at the time I had a roommate who had started an Etsy shop and she was like, you should start an Etsy shop. And I was like, uh, uh, okay, why not? Why not? You know, let's just roll, rock and roll with it. And she had had lots of experience on it and she showed me where to get boxes and kind of walked me through the beginning steps of opening an Etsy shop. And then I just rolled with it and we ended up having an open house that night. And it was the first time I'd actually correctly run the press. But of course, I put too much ink on it. And everyone was like watching the, this live demo. And I'm like, if they only knew what was really happening, none of this is correct. But they were all just, ooh, ah, so cool. So that was 2012, the first year I started Thimble Press. And within just a few years, I was signing a lease to the space I'm in now in 2013. I was attending the Chicago gift market. I was going to the National Stationery Show. It catapulted very quickly. I was doing craft shows all over the country. So in my, I was also in my really early 20s. So I had a lot more energy. I don't know how I could do that now. I'm almost 40. So I'm like, I don't think I could. But I was all over the country. I was shipping products to Los Angeles to do Renegade Craft Fair. I was, I mean, I covered every coast on the weekends and even took vacation time at my full-time job to do these craft shows. And, you know, at, you know, a lot of times the success of a person's business can, can, you know, is for me, it's definitely faith driven, but it's also time meets opportunity. And when I started Thimble Press, it was at a time in the world where there weren't a lot of people doing what I was doing. And the idea of art prints was like still really new. <laughs> and so it just was a different time. And I think that contributed to the growth of Thimble Press in a such a quick way. It just, we shot up. And if I could go back, I would say slow and sustainable is better, but I don't know if I could have controlled it, you know, like, and so that's why I'm like, I hate going back and saying, what if, what if, but I ended up at the National Stationery Show. I uh, sent these boxes out. Everyone was doing paper invitations. And I thought, okay, I'm using my marketing and branding brain. I want to do something that's totally different. So a lot of people that own stores that I love, they might not even be able to make it to the stationery show. So let's do a party in a box so they feel like they're there celebrating with us. At that point, the mobile press really wasn't synonymous with confetti or party. Like we just... We're making state flower art prints. We were doing, you know, my version of It's a Small, Small World drawings. We were doing greeting cards. It was very like experimental finding my voice situation. And then I created this invitation with a where that's where the push pop confetti came from. And I, I have this drawing I did in college. It's a pile of party supplies. And I thought, how funny. I found it just a few years ago. And it's so pre-thimble press. So it's just all these party supplies just in a photo. And I thought, God totally knew that this would happen <laughs> before it happened. And ha ha ha. But so I created the push pop confetti thinking, what goes into a party? So then we did printed balloons. Not a lot of people were doing those then. We even did party hats with like customs with a cute saying on it that were like cute party hats. They weren't like the tacky ones that we all used to see. Now there's like tons of cute party stuff. And we sent it out. I sent out a hundred boxes. I sent out a box to everybody in every retail store I wanted to work with. I sent one to Target, Hallmark, every, you know, brick and mortar that I just thought was the coolest. And I would love to be in. I even sent one to Mark Zuckerberg. 
didn't ever hear from him. But to this day, every retailer and every brand that I sent one to, I've now worked with. Wow. Which is cool. So it's like putting that dream out there, you know, not knowing, but just believing in your heart. I think there's something to that. So again, I don't know what will ever come of that Facebook one, but you know, <laughs> maybe that will show up in 10 years. So I went to the National Stationery Show. Push Pop wasn't even supposed to be a product. It was a giveaway. If you spent $50 or more, you would get a pop as like a, hey, yay, let's celebrate. We're going to be in your store now. Martha Stewart's editor comes up. I don't know who she is. You know, I'm like, who is this lady? I don't know. Everyone around me is like, you know, hog mouths on the floor. And it was Darcy Miller. And after just talking back and forth, sharing stories, and she was like, you really should sell these. And I thought, huh, you know what? lady, you're pretty smart. Again, no clue who she was. I, Cause I never wanted to look at the person's badge because I, cause I was like, I don't want you to think I'm checking out your boobs. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just never wanted to go there. So I just always would try to keep my, my eyes up. And, and so we talked and then she left and everyone was like, do you know who that was? No. And then they told me and I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And so we had some retailers come by and I decided to like, okay, we're going to sell them. And in that moment, I had to think on my feet, how much was each pop? I mean, when I was first making them, I was hand cutting every piece of confetti. Oh my word. Because I didn't realize you could actually buy pre-cut confetti. Like talk about like, I'm a smart person, but I can have some real idiot moments. I was gluing all the labels on with that special paper glue. Like it was just a lot. We were letter pressing each label, which made it so beautifully handmade. And it's still, we still hand make them in our studio. We just have different labels and we've learned a faster way of doing it. And we bulk mix our confetti by hand still, but it's all pre-cut when it comes to us. (laughs) But I mean, I went through like four shredders when I was making that confetti. It was insane. So I'm sitting there in the show thinking on my feet, what am I going to charge? And I definitely lowballed myself. Definitely. Like when I got in the cab going home, thrilled about our success, I thought, I really should have charged a lot more for that pop. But I think that also attributed to the success and it kind of catapulted our growth into a whole new stratosphere. We became one of Oprah's products on her, you know, magazine. We were became featured in all these different press outlets from Vogue to Us Weekly to we went on the GMA, Good Morning America, Dills and Stills. I mean, it was just like, broom, 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 broom. it's like we just were on this upwards, just momentum. And my schedule was getting busier and busier. We got a call from Hallmark. They wanted to work with us. We then got an email from Target, which I thought was fake for like 24 hours. I was like, (laughs) that's not real. But let's just email them back just in case it is real. It was real. So all this stuff is just happening. And it's all everything and more I'd ever wanted in this life, like, you know, on this earthly plane. And I'm just like living my life and I'm hiring all these people and being mindful, as mindful as I could be with a girl with a BFA and one other business behind her back. Like, you know, like I was growing as uh, wisely as I thought I could be. Could I have done a lot more and changed a lot more and been smarter? Absolutely. <laughs> I could have, I could have. But life is life. And we have those moments and learning curves for a reason. And 
the day our Target product launched in every Target across the country was also the same day that I found out we were hacked and I lost so much money, like so much money where it sent me in this like downward, horrible money mindset. And I had never lived in a mindset like that before. I had always just viewed money as just this thing that's just this language that we use to trade things. And it was never this like, I have to have it to eat, you know, dinner and pay my bills. It just because it it was just coming in there. I really didn't have to think about it that much. And in this split second, everything changed. And I'm not going to get into all the hack and like all the details of it, because that's, it's just in the past now. But it changed everything. And and going back, I think God totally was trying to show me for months, wake up, wake up, stop spinning out. You are, you've lost control of yourself. You are literally on a trajectory where you will burn out times 10. And I don't know where you will end up. And I look back now seeing things that he was trying to show me along the way, but I was so enamored with earthly success that I was blinded to anything that would have slowed me down. And very quickly in that moment, that pretty much put a break on everything. And for the next year, I was severely depressed. I, and it was probably more, it was more than just the money. It was like a lot of things in my life just came to a halt mentally. And so for the next year, every morning I would just wake up. I would, the only thing, only hope I had was read the Bible because insurance couldn't cover it. They were like, well, you apparently willingly sent it, which we did, but it was to a hacker that we thought was our manufacturer. So it was just a whole just wow. slew of just bad things that happened. But really at the end of the day now, I think it was to my benefit because I had time to rewalk through my life and discover who I was and am and wake up every morning and read the Bible, do a devotional, meditate. I wasn't doing that before. I was selling prayer journals, but I wasn't praying every day. I was before. And right when I started the mill press, but we got so busy, I had lost sight of God completely. And, and that can come so quickly in a business. You can see that happen in a split second and not realize it's happening to you. So I always tell people like when you're growing so fast, slow it down. If you can remember to be mindful and like self-reflective and not to let the business take over you because it totally consumed me. I had no personal life. I had no love life. My family, I loved them, but I never spoke to them. All I I was so laser focused on everything Thimble Press. That was my end all be all. So when something happened, it was catastrophic. But all that changed in the best way when that happened. And I slowly but surely made a list of everything I was felt God was telling me to do within my business. At the end of it, it was just like, get back to why you started, which was me. And it was you. And you were the only one in the business. And let's get back to that. God quickly explained to me, you do not have to have this huge warehouse to be successful. You don't have to have a million employees to be successful. And your success is really just defined by what you think it is. And I think I was defined, I was defining my success actually on everyone around me, what they thought and what they wanted them will press to be. And also what I thought I had to be based on what every other brand was doing that was like me. And that was 
a hard pill to swallow because I prided myself on being this like independent thinker, but yet I'm actually looking around going, I need to be doing that because that brand's doing that. That's not the way to, that's not the way to roll. So I really readjusted and I now love what I do. I, I got rid of all of our reps, which was a huge revenue drop for us, but I took everything back in house. And I loved our reps. Our reps were great. All the sales reps were so sweet and awesome. And so I felt there's a lot of guilt with that, but I just was doing what I felt like I had to do to, to, to recalibrate and relove what God had given me. But he always knew that would happen and that I would didn't use this horrible story for a redemptive, just grace moment in my life and to show other people and to help other people not walk through that the same way I did. And Anyway, so in 2018, I called up my now art agent, Liz Wayne. She actually met me in 2013 at the Chicago Gift Market, and we had become friends. And she wanted to work with me then. And I said, no, I'm going to do it myself because I did everything myself, everything. I was I was like, I got to do it all. And in 2018, I thought I need to bring on the people that know how to do what I don't know how to do, that know how to really up level areas of my business that I love. And I love our licensing. And for me, and some people are, they're like, I don't want an agent. Some people are like, I want an agent. I've been on both sides. For me, having an agent allows you to be able to do what you love to do, which is be creative and have fun with art and explore new projects. And your agent is there to just kick butt and find you the right manufacturers you want to work with. And they're your partner and they handle all the business aspect of it. Obviously you have your voice and say in it, but she was doing the things I didn't want to do. And that at that point in time in 2018, when I called her, that was when I knew it was time. All right, let's, let's go. So Liz and I signed a contract. I think it was like one of her first, I think it was one of her first uh, artists she signed. And we just celebrated 10 years of knowing each other this past year at Surtex in New York. It was fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like 10 year anniversary. And I started to build my life back based on not what everyone else wanted it to be, but what God wanted it to be and what I felt I should be doing and walking. And it doesn't mean that it's not hard. It definitely, there have been hard moments, but I feel so much freer than I did when I was had 23 people working for me, had, you know, 6,000 square feet studio. Uh, I mean, it's incredible, the difference. And I've realized that my success is freedom and joy. And, and through that time and like healing and, cause I think that the, the hack was just the, the straw that broke the camel's back essentially. And I think through all that, it's just been incredible to see my life transform, not only my business, but to gain a personal life and spiritual life. And I got married in 2020 to the love of my life, who I've known since I was 18. Oh, and who I actually wanted to date in 2010 before. Yeah. Wild. I have a whole other story behind (laughs) that. But God was like, not yet, sister. (laughs) You got to go. You got to walk through some stuff before uh, y'all can be together. But life has completely shifted and we still do wholesale. We still do direct consumer and we do licensing and surface design and it is much smaller and condensed and lovely and 
we define our success, not based on what every industry person is doing, but what, what we feel. And that is what's so awesome. And I know that was such a long story to your, to give me your background. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> but I just get going and I just can't stop. <laughs> well, I have goosebumps because so much of what you explained is certainly where a lot of people at the beginning stages can only hope and dream of reaching, you know, working with Target, having your product be in like Oprah's list, like going to the trade shows, having these licensing opportunities, and then to hear you say, reaching that point and having this moment of like, well, what is success to me? And what does that look like? How do I recalibrate? How do I get back to my why? Because I can see a lot of your story within myself of just this hustle or this continued momentum. And I've heard it said by Lisa Jacobs. She said, I was just on the mountain of more. This idea that more, 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 more opportunities, more wholesale accounts, more art, more this, more that. And I think that your story is so powerful because not only did you take the wake up call, you actually implemented and started to restructure things. So for you, I would love for you to kind of walk us through for yourself and maybe even words of encouragement for anybody who's like, I don't even know what my why is. Like I am kind of on this trajectory or I want to be a working artist and maybe I've lost sight of that. Could you kind of walk us through what that's looked like for you, like finding your why or like your mission statement to kind of keep that compass on track so that we don't go all over the place? Right. Um, core values are like giving yourself core values, I think, and defining core values for your company is a really great way to do that, especially when you have multiple people working for you and you really want to hone in that culture within your team. Um, we definitely have those and those core values are my core values, which makes it a lot easier for me to operate within. And what I would say about core values is core values are like, you know, this is the only metaphor I know how to use for it. It's like, you know, that scene in Twister when is it, who is it? Kevin Costner? Is that who is in Twister? I don't remember, but he, him and Helen Hunt and he ties himself on to this like plumbing uh-huh. situation <laughs> from an outhouse with his belt and they're like flying up in the air through the tornado. And then they come back down, that whole thing holding you into the ground, that's your core value. So like when the economy shifts, when everything moves and sways and things become popular that maybe aren't necessarily connected to you, like you still stay in your core values, like you still operate. And so like people are like, well, customer service is going to be mine. I'm like, well, does that mean then you will like, you have to really make that then your core value. If customer service is yours, then you have to say, okay, every single time, like something happens, even if a customer totally poos on my parade and it's obviously their fault, that means that I'm still going to stand in that. And I was like, ah, let's go with kindness instead of customer <laughs> service. <laughs> like I was like, ah, just, I, I don't know. Like, and I have to hold my team responsible to be those core values too. And so I really chose ones that I felt like were the ones that I stand by personally and professionally. But I also let go of this idea that I was identified as my business. I had a friend look at me when I was going through all that really tough time. And she said, at the end of the day, what is your headstone going to say? Is it going to say, you're just a great business owner? Or do you want it to say like, you're a great friend, a great sister, a great 
lover, a great wife, a great mother, a great aunt, a blah, 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 all the things. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have put so much into this business that I only identify with this business. I identify as nothing else. And so that if things happen within my business, it will rock me. So what you did so hard that it shifts me off a cliff. And I had to go in life. Our business, we, we do our business and we love our business and we nurture our business, but that is not us. And in life, your business may not be forever. And I think a lot of times we hold onto this idea when we start a business that it's going to be our end all be all baby. I thought my first business, I was going to be doing it till I was 95. And look, I quit it after four or five years. You have to let go of the idea of this permanent thing and realize that it can shift and pivot and move and have the beautiful sea changes and morph and evolve. And I feel like when people get so stuck in the mud about what their business is and who they are, that they miss opportunities to grow into new areas and they miss opportunities for maybe other things life has for them that isn't necessarily attached to their business. And I think we also have to get okay with failure is okay. Failure is just a stone onto the next thing. And God's been preparing you for that with all the things you went through with the previous chapters. And what's ahead of you could be 50 times greater, but we get so stuck in our pride of thinking that this is our end all be all that we don't, we don't, we don't leave it. We don't move from it. And that's a good thing for your core values, but then personally, it's not necessarily a great thing (laughs) because you could lose so much that's right in front of you that you don't see. And that's what I did for so long. I lost so much time with family and I'm totally making up for it now, but I lost a lot of time with family and friends that I can't get back. But that was a part of my walk to be able to tell people, don't make it your idol. Don't make it your, your soul, your soul focus. So yeah, those are the things I would say. <laughs> so how do I wrap this up in a little bow? <laughs> we'll be back after this short break. We talk about community all the time on the Tillage Podcast, and it's something that I believe is essential for growing your business and working on your self-development. If you're in need of community and you want to continue working on your mindset, then my membership, the Tillage Village, is the perfect place for you. In the Tillage Village, you'll find accountability and community, workshops to help you with your mindset, and be guided to be intentional in your business with workbooks and journal prompts. Enrollment will open up on July 24th, and being on the waitlist will ensure that you're notified when the Tillage Village opens its doors. Head on over to thetillagepodcast.com slash thetillagevillage to join the waitlist today or find the link in the description below. Now, back to the show. One of the things that came to mind while you were talking was when we are so wrapped up in our business being so attached to us with our identity that it becomes really comfortable. So this idea of shifting or pivoting or giving it up is absolutely terrifying. I have felt it. Mm-hmm. I have felt shifts and changes in my own life within the last year that I'm like, you know, doing this podcast and building up a membership and doing more coaching and just seeing pivots and changes happening, but it's so scary when you've built something and you've put so much time, 
blood, sweat, and tears into, and your family has made sacrifices, and you've made sacrifices. And then you step back and go, oh, like, am I brave enough to start to walk into something new, or am I brave enough to pivot? So I think that is really attached to trust. And so I would love for you to kind of talk about, you know, as you've been a creative entrepreneur, you've done a lot of things, your definition of success has shifted. What has that experience been like to trust, to say, I'm going to get rid of all my reps. We're going to close part of our warehouse down and it's going to be smaller. I'm going to get an agent instead of doing this myself, especially when you don't know what the future holds. <laughs> like, no. How do you do that? Yeah, for me, and we talked about this before, even we our conversation right now. And for me, it's my faith. That's the biggest backbone for everything. And I think when I went through what I went through in 2017, I was holding my business with such tight, close fists. And when I finally released it, I realized those ebbs and flows, if we let go and let it just kind of this like, think of it like jello, the flow and the transitions, the hard times, those like, not knowing what the future, not blah, 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 all the things become just easy and it's just a flow. And then your business naturally evolves. But, but like I was saying earlier, the tight grip doesn't allow for that. So then it feels like this huge step down when reality releasing it, those step downs will just feel like this natural progression that you've been prepared for already and that you're ready to step into. And it doesn't mean because I started doing consulting and working with different independent artists and brands and helping them not walk, do what I did, <laughs> but also to, you know, up level their business. And it's, and it's, I've not grown my coaching business at all. It's a very word of mouth thing. It's very small, but I'm just letting it be and letting until I feel it needs to grow until in, inside, until I feel guys like, all right, we're going to do this. Until I feel the desire inside me to create something bigger within it, I'm letting it be. And I think so many times when I had Thimble Press pre-17, I was like, I'm not going to let stuff be. I'm going to push past that and do it anyway. Because I was, this is my life. This is my choice. Da, 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 da. Very egocentric versus now letting go of that idea of ego. And it's hard. I still have it. I mean, everybody does. But letting go of this sense of pride and needing to be somebody, you know, I used to want to be some like big person in the paper industry and do it all and achieve it all. And now it's just like, I want to live a beautiful life and make beautiful things. And let's see how God's going to take me there. So instead of trying to chase after this like horizontal dream, it's more now chasing after a vertical dream. and. A lot of times that trust is what comes with that vertical dream. A lot of times when we are living that horizontal dream, we're not connecting to the universe, God, or any other sense of spirituality, and we don't have that footing to jump off of. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And so I don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I don't need to. I really don't. I literally wake up in the morning. I'm like, all right, God, we got today. Cool. Because I don't know what two years will come. And here's the thing. I'm personally, I'm trying to have a baby. I want a family. 
And I'm just letting God rock with it. Like, I don't know what's coming. And I've just learned to just let go because I know when I'm supposed to pursue something because I've listened and learned that I will feel it here. And when I'm supposed to grow it bigger, I will feel it. It won't feel like this forced thing. There will be hard times, no doubt, because we live in a crazy world. But it will be a lot easier than me trying to push this giant stone up a hill that wasn't meant for me. So that's kind of how I view trust, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, I think that we can also see that even in our art practice, like if we try to push something out or like not let the flow happen. I can see that in a lot of different areas mm-hmm. in business because 100%. yeah. And then it's never a great outcome when we push something to happen. In my experience, it's always been met with a lot more struggle than like when I've just kind of let things be and see how things will turn out. And so I love that picture that you described of that, those two comparisons that you've experienced and I'd love to shift a little bit because you've talked about this trust and this part of yourself that's very centered when you are focused on God and what he's doing in your life and how that's really enabled you to walk forward with ease. How do you also keep yourself centered in that place without being like sidetracked with all the things that are constantly thrown our way? as a creative business owner, right? So we have like chasing after more, like comparison, saying yes to things that might not be with our core values and posture syndrome. I mean, we could go on and on and on. So like, how do you stay centered and very like, no, I'm not going to go there. Well, and, 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 you know, and I want to touch back to what I've just said recently, you know, a lot of, I'm probably sound so woo woo, but all of this, doesn't mean sitting back. You have to still move forward and do and act within your business and make smart choices. And like, as you're saying, how do you decide what's for you? And I think there's a couple ways to go about it. There's one, does it align with my core values and my North Star of where I want to go? Do you actually know what you want to do with this business? Yeah. Do you know? Or are you just, just, and look, I'm all about the jello. Like, I love the jello. I love <laughs> just rolling in it, you know, just bleh. But I also know that I have a goal with it, that there is a centralized goal around all of it. So what is your central goal? And does that, does that opportunity that you are met with match up to that central goal? If it doesn't, then you don't need to take it on because it will just sidetrack your time and your efforts from moving forward into that space that is for your central goal. And also if it does not feel in your gut, I always do a gut check. Like if it doesn't feel good deep down, if that person you're is asking you to do something and it just, it doesn't feel good and it doesn't, you got your intuition and you need to listen to it. I think so often I push that down because I just wanted that earthly worldly success and I didn't care how it came. And that sounds so bad. But I didn't. I was in such a shifted and altered mind state that I just was going after and chasing after without thinking. And so, like, is what is your gut telling you? What is your why? Too, we talked about that thing. Like, what is your why? Why? Why are you doing all this? That's the center north star for sure. But how much money do you really need to make a month? Yeah. I mean, what do you? What do you? What's your? What are you doing? <laughs> like. <laughs> 
what what are your basic needs? What are those needs that need to be met? What do you need to pay your team? Do you want to be a millionaire? Because if you do, I don't know if the paper industry is our billionaire. I don't know if the paper <laughs> industry is for billionaires. But <laughs> but what number are you chasing after? I think that's why goals are so important because without them, we just tend to just float. We take on things that pull us from the bigger picture. And a great book to read is Essentialism. And if I'm forgetting the author right now as we talk. We can put it in the notes, I'm sure. But you know, the whole idea is the more you say yes to something, the more you're saying no to something else. So in terms of the more I was saying yes to these opportunities, I was turning away opportunities that actually made more sense for me. I was turning away time with family. I was turning away the actual things that really served my life. And I was taking it on for what? And I'm an Enneagram too. So I'm definitely, I'm the helper. So I'm always wanting to help people and do things. And, but at the end of the day, you also have to have your boundaries and protect yourself and your sanity and, and your peace. And if it's not aligning, just say no. And I know, look, I get it. We're all trying to pay our bills. And there are some of you that are just starting out and you're like, I don't know where my next paycheck's going to come from. And I've got to get this much money in so that I can put food on the table for my family. Ah, that is a real, that is a real thing. And that is a real need. And so I get that. I would just say, if you can pray about it, open yourself up to the idea that that you will be given opportunities. And if there are none in front of you, walk into that opportunity as long as it aligns with your values. Don't take something that you don't agree with, that you aren't aligned with, because that's never going to serve them. And it's definitely not going to serve your soul. Mm-hmm. But I get the need. I do. It's hard. It's an interesting dichotomy. It is. Yeah. It's this blurry experience of being like, I don't want to be in scarcity mindset and just say yes to every opportunity. But I also, like you said, I have to pay the bills. So like, how do we live in this both and? And I think it does come down to really knowing your values and also that trust that like, Mm-hmm. I am going to say no to this with trust that a yes is going to be there for me for something that is going to align. And that's hard. <laughs> that's so hard. I would love for you to touch on, because there are many, many listeners who listen to the Tillage podcast who are very much just starting this journey. They're just saying for the first time that they are an artist, they're valuing themselves and their work. They are just at the very beginning of their little road. So for them to hear like, oh my goodness, like Kristen was in Target and all these things, like that just seems mind blowing. I just want to like get an Etsy shop up. I just want to sell, you know, enough cards to pay my booth fee at my craft show. Like, are there any words of encouragement for somebody who's just starting out, who is feeling the realness of the slow? Like they might not have experienced the rapidness that you have in your own life, even though you had success very quickly, there were definite moments that that slow growth was there. So do you have any words of encouragement for somebody who might be feeling like, I'm just, I just feel like this is going really slow. Yeah. And I've had those words in my own business. And because that's the thing in, in business, it's never, you're never going to see straight up the hill. You're going to, it's going to be dips and valleys and curves and 
curveballs. <laughs> and that, that's just the reality of owning your own business. But at the end of the day, that freedom, right? That freedom is worth it for me, at least. And it's hard. And what I would say is make attainable, small goals. Put one foot in front of the other. Don't give yourself and say, I'm going to make a million dollars this month. Let's take that, break it down. What do you actually need? Go through your budget. What do you need to pay your bills? Okay. Then what do you need to grow your business? What do you need? You need to, do you need to pay your subscriptions? Like you need to have all those expenses listed out so that you know your base that you need to make. Okay. That's a more reasonable number to start with and then grow from. I think sometimes we want these grandiose numbers. We get on Instagram, we see all these quote unquote people succeeding, which half of it's probably a lie. People, people like to project false realities. That's the world we live in. That's where you can't get caught up in that. I got caught up in that when I first started and it will destroy you. And that's why it's good to be listening to you, you know, podcasts that ground you that, I mean, it's true. Like you've got to find good people, good grounded people who are real, who are able to share the realities of owning a business. And sometimes those are few and far between. And if you can find that community to work within, that's a good first step too. But also those goals. Okay. So you're going to post one newsletter a week, then you need to do it. Let's do it. Let's set attainable goals for our businesses. You cannot eat an elephant all in one bite. It's one little bite at a time. But those little bites, and I know you've probably heard this a million times because we all have, but it's actually doing it. Yes. You take one little step. It's like a baby learning to walk. You put one foot in front of the other and eventually you're running a marathon but it doesn't come all at once. Like Instagram says it does. It just doesn't. And there's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of moments where you're questioning yourself going, am I really doing this? Am I really like, am I really an artist? Like I imposter syndrome is a real thing. And that's when you've got to sit back and give yourself those moments for mindfulness and positive thinking. My aunt, she has a mask. She, since I was a little girl, she taught me the power of positive thinking and visualization. And she sat me down and she said, I pray. And then I visualize my little cells rebuilding on the nerves. And they all have little top hats on and they're <laughs> dancing. And I was probably 10 years old. And she did that with me. And she taught me that. And there is power in just thinking positively and really believing that you can achieve a goal. The brain is so powerful. It is one of the most fascinating subjects that I love to read on. And you have to make space for yourself. You have to take your health seriously. You have to get out and do things for your health. Like I didn't go to the doctor for probably five years. I didn't cut my hair for five years. I cut it with a dog cutting shears. No lie. (laughs) No lie. So when I talk about how laser focused I was, that's how I neglected my health. I neglected my mental health. I neglected my just personal hygiene. I mean, come on, Kristen, go get a haircut. Like, you know, and if I could go back, that would be a thing I changed because the health you have now, you will not see the effects of your neglect for years to come. Hmm. Trust me, someone saying this 10 years into her business, having neglected her health, I see the, the things that I neglected coming back. And now I'm trying to go back and revisit those and remedy those. Don't, don't do that now. Take control of it because the, the buck stops with you. You're your strongest asset. You have to take care of yourself. So if you're starting out and you just think, let me put the, let me, let me grind and go and not stop. And that will lead to extreme burnout, which it did for me. 
And I don't want that for you. I really don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's not fun. It's not fun. And you just believe in yourself, you know, and I took two months off every social media platform. We didn't even send e-blast out in 2022. And it was the healthiest thing I've ever done in my life. I was the most creative I've ever been. I came up with all these new ideas and none of them were centered around any time on social media. I felt more positive about myself. I just, I believed in myself because I wasn't comparing myself because we all fall trapped to that. And I'll say this, if you need to do that and you're just starting out, don't feel like you can't do that because you're trying to grow this business. Give yourself boundaries within social media because it can, it can really take you down mentally. And there have been so many studies that show that. And so you just have to have boundaries with it and know what serves you best with it and understand what is actually harming your business and your mental health. I hope that answered. Yeah. <laughs> such a long-winded No, person. we're all getting our, our personal <laughs> own Kristen life coaching moment today. I've appreciated <laughs> this so much. And yeah, just you saying like, give permission to do things that are countercultural to the business world that we live in. Yeah. Taking two months off social media, every single marketing person would probably say, that's a horrible idea. But it's like, what, right. <laughs> what if we can trust ourselves and our business and be jello and go, you know what, this is what I need. And I'm going to trust that when I come back, it's all going to be okay. Like, what if we had that moment to say, yeah, I'm going to do this and believe that everything's going to be okay. And often, and probably with your experience, everything has been okay. <laughs> like Everything, it has, it has been okay. And I look back and when I'm in a hard pickle time, I look back and I go, I got through that so I can get through this we're going to be fine. And, you know, especially when the pandemic hit, a lot of creative businesses were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Hey, go back to the old way of doing it. Go back to old school customer service. Pick up the phone and call your customers. Love your people where they are. Make them feel seen, loved, and heard is what I've said every day of my life. People just want to feel like they matter. And if you could go through even your top VIP customers and call them and just check in on them, how are you doing? I just want to thank you for really helping my business grow. Like, oh my gosh, do you know what that would mean to them? Sending them a package in the mail. You could even, if you really want to do it all big and bad, do a tiered VIP package thing. At the end of the year, you go through your whole list of your direct consumer or wholesale customers, and you have a tiered launch strategy of how you're going to just really love on your people. The ones who have spent the most with you, they get the biggest box, you know, the next, get the smaller, the next, the next, the next. And maybe the last tier of your top, get a phone call, you know, but love your people. Go back. That is what times are slow. There's always something to do. Yes. You never stop. You can always find something. Build your email list. Because guess what? Meta is a business. They can choose to do whatever they want. I know they piss a lot of people off, but they also provide a lot of solutions for us to be able to get our businesses out there. But at the end of the day, if they decide they're going to close up shop and go, you know, retire, they can because that's their prerogative and that's their choice. So make sure you're building your email list, you know, work on new art, sketches, go outside and plain air paint. Like there's always something to do in the slow, but loving your people, loving your customers. There's a book called Hug Your Customer. Again, I forget the author's name. We'll put it in the, yeah. we'll put it in the show put notes. It, the show notes. <laughs> it, it It's all old school principles of customer service that are still very relevant today. We get so sidetracked by 
you know, emails and everything electronic and social media that we forget we are all human and we all have that desire to be seen, loved and heard and to matter. And so call your people. If you're in one wholesale store, be proud of yourself, call them, get feedback from them. That's a great point in your business to really get that intense feedback from a retailer on how you did improve how you did that and then move on, get a second whole retailer. You know, we're not here trying to get 1500 in one day, but there's always something to do. There is. So a phrase that I love is like that. I actually had written inside of my medicine cabinet at our last rental. I painted a chalkboard paint on the inside of my medicine cabinet. And in chalk, I said, you have options. Like as much as we fail to remember that it's so true and so freedom giving when you can say it feels like the whole world is shutting down in 2020 and I have options. Like we cannot lose sight of the fact that we have options at our disposal and we often forget that. So I love, I loved everything you said. I'm like, there's a whole list. You said, get outside. Like, I'm like, okay, (laughs) my pencil's like smoking over here. This has been such a wonderful conversation. And if, if people just are drawn to you, they want to know what you're doing, how they can maybe even set up a consultation call with you. Where can they find you online and connect with you? Yeah. So, well, we're obviously on Thimble Press. That's a T-H-I-M-B-L-E, not symbol. When I call the 1-800 lines, they're always like, wait, symbol Press? I'm like, no, no, no. Let me spell it for you. But you can also find me on kristenlay.com, L-E-Y. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Kristen underscore lay. But yeah, I love working with people. Again, my consulting business is very word of mouth. And it's just, I always feel like the right people come to me at the right time. So yeah, fun. Well, thank you so much for being here, being so open and sharing your heart and your journey with us today. Yeah, absolutely. It was really fun. Here are the key takeaways from today's episode. Core values ground you and allow you to stay true to your principles, even when external circumstances change. Remember that your business is not your entire identity. Being open to pivoting and shifting directions can lead to new opportunities for growth and personal development. Release control and be like Jello. Prioritizing a vertical dream, one that aligns with your spiritual or higher purpose, can bring a deeper sense of fulfillment compared to chasing after this horizontal dream, which is often driven by external validation or ego. Instead of aiming for grandiose numbers, break down your goals into smaller, achievable steps. Start with understanding your financial needs, your budget, and your expenses. Focus on making progress one step at a time. Believe in yourself and your ability to achieve your goals. Practicing positive thinking and visualization can yield powerful results. And lastly, neglecting your health, both physical and mental, can have long-term consequences. It's important to prioritize self-care and be careful about neglecting your personal well-being while pursuing your business goals. Thanks again for listening to the Tillage Podcast. It brings me so much joy knowing that you spent your very precious time with me here today. If you want more, head on over to thetillagepodcast.com for today's show notes. And I'll be back next week with another episode. 